2: that's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com/wonder.
0: Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today, and you had a great Halloween. This is another special Wednesday morning episode brought to you by our new sponsor, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness who we featured on episode 145. If you haven't heard that episode yet, I encourage you to go back and take a listen, especially if you're struggling to get in shape as a busy leader. This episode will help you do that. Also, if you haven't watched these podcast interviews on video yet, I encourage you to give it a try. We have a growing following now on our YouTube channel, so head on over there and check it out. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I have another great show lined up for you, but before we get started, I just wanted to remind you to take a look at the leadership books on my website. I've written three leadership books, and I recommend you start with Eye of the Watch first. It's filled with 22 short stories that will help you become a leader worth following. It's a quick read, and most people finish it in less than three hours. It's also available in Kindle and on Audible, so you can listen to it in the car or while working out. So check out all my books either on Amazon or my website, johnsrenny.com. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about building effective leadership teams. My guest is Jack McGinnis. He is the author of Building Great Leadership Teams, A Practical Approach for Unleashing the Full Potential of Your Team. Now, we're going to be talking about the idea of a leadership team. Now, That's the group of people responsible for running the business. These are the senior managers who report to the person in charge. Now, if you want to have a successful business, you need to have a strong leadership team. And Jack helps us understand what that looks like and in this really uh, interesting conversation that I know you're gonna love. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jack McGinnis. Jack is an executive team coach and co-founder of Relationship Impact, a consulting firm focused on helping organizations build great leadership teams. He's a former army officer, author, teacher, and entrepreneur. He is the author of a new book called Building Great Leadership Teams, A Practical Approach for Unleashing the Full Potential of Your Team. Now, in this book, Jack helps readers recognize that they don't have to live with an average or dysfunctional leadership team. There is a better way. So I'm excited to have him on the show to learn from his experience on this subject. So Jack, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks so much for having me, John. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, it's great to meet you. Great to have you on the show, uh, and I'm really interested in this subject, uh, this book. So, uh, first of all, before we get into the book and 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 what in your company, tell us about your background. How did you go from being an army officer to a leadership team coach like you are today? And yeah, officer?
2: it's a, it, I won't bore you with all the details, <laughs> but there is a there is a there is a sort of a method to the madness kind of kind of thing that. Uh, Um, and certainly I didn't, I didn't plan on being an executive team coach at any point in my career until, uh, about 10 years ago or or so. But, you know, I got very fortunate after I got out of the army, I got my MBA and uh, I was looking for a job. Um, and I got very lucky. I got, I got connected with a partner from Deloitte. Uh, who's about 15 years older than me? Who was building his own consulting firm, management consulting firm, and I became one of his first employees. Nice. And so I had the benefit of not only learning how to be a management consultant. We were a general management consulting firm, uh, did large scale restructuring type of work. I you know a lot lot of traditional management consulting work, but I also uh, got had the opportunity to. to to watch him and then participate with him in building a business. Uh, and, and that was very, very cool too. So I got two, you know, two, two great experiences at a very early age, um, and learned how to be a consultant. You know, most of the people we hired in after me were PhDs in psychology, masters in organizational behavior. And, and so I learned, I was a, engineer with an MBA, very, you know, right brain, linear thinker. And, uh, I learned a lot from these guys that were, uh, um, you know, thought a lot differently from me. We butted heads, but, uh, you know, eventually I, I wound up listening and learning. And, uh, and so that, that experience was awesome. And then, and then, um, you know, for various reasons, I, I, I left that firm and, and bought a another company with, with a couple of passive investors and, um, I became the CEO of a contract packaging company, uh, light manufacturing. Uh, I know you're in deep in the manufacturing. This was very late, uh, uh, non-sexy manufacturing, you know, uh, uh, production stuff. Um, But we did, you know, we did a good job turning a family run business around. Um, But we did packaging for Unilever, Godiva, like I, and did some good stuff, but got destroyed in the financial crisis in 2008. And uh, comp- you know, the contracts weren't so good. So pe- the, the companies pulled their contra- a lot of their contracts back in house. And so long story short, we went bankrupt. So the only reason I bring that up is because The experiences of being in the military young, learning how to lead at an early age and learning, learning from people that were a lot older than me and and that reported to me, but were really kind of more my partners in crime than anything. And and then, you know, learning how to uh, work with a lot of different companies over a course of a 13 year career and building another company um, building that consulting firm with a, with, with a, you know, a few very smart people was great experience. And then learning through crisis of going through a bankruptcy was, uh, you know, not that I would never <laughs> encourage anyone to go through that, anything like that it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Uh, but I learned a lot from it and I think it helps all of those experiences help me be a, uh, a more, um, empathetic and, um, uh, reflective leader are uh, are our, our helper of other leaders as i work with them on their executive team journeys
0: mm, yeah so you have the you have the the experience and the scars of what it's like uh, to be in their shoes when you're coaching other executives, because you 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 see what it's like because you've been in their shoes building. And I, and I have the
2: humility that I think is uh, that I've gained over time. I was you know a, young, a lot a lot younger, probably not quite as you know humble, but but uh, I, I you know those experiences do humble you and they and they give you perspective, and and I think uh, that enables me to be you know more effective at what I do now for sure.
0: Oh, fantastic and and what about um what about uh, your lessons that you learn in the military do you see yourself applying some of those lessons in the work that you do helping other companies
2: yeah I mean I was with the 10th mountain division which is you know a a small unit tactic you know in, in its essence a small unit tactic um, um, entity for the for the you know, I was an infantry officer so um, what I think people misconstrue about the military, particularly the army, is that, you know, it's very command and control driven. And, and that is true to some respect. But but the autonomy you get as a young leader um, and the input that you have as a young leader, it, it was pretty, pretty remarkable to me. And the other thing is, is that you you were I, at West point I was told I was the greatest thing that ever happened. You know, we all, we all kind of were. And, and then you realize like, you, you don't know everything. Right. And so I, I think the biggest thing as I learned is that I really didn't know it as much as I thought I did. And it was very humbling, but it also, um, I had enough preparation where it, it was able to put, you know, my, my thinking that I, I got from college to in, in, in play, and just really learned from a, a group of non commissioned officers really that that were are the lifeblood of the military in my my opinion and um uh, and so that that humility of of leading but also being a servant to the people that that work for you um i, I you know i've kind of always i haven't always lived up to it but i i you know it's something that's always you know uh, my guide rails i guess
0: yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think unless you've been an O one one and you show up to your command <laughs> mm. and you're looking at people that are, uh, that have been in the military as many years as you've been alive and, uh, <laughs> and, and much more qualified and much more experienced yet you're in charge. If yeah. you've never been in a situation like that, I tell you, it's a very humbling experience. Very humbling. And you learn, but you learn about uh, how to respect people, how to listen yeah. to people, how to, um, yeah. ask, ask good questions. And yeah. then, the other thing is to do your job very well. Like there yes. are certain things that only the leader can do and you need to figure out what those are and to make sure you're taking your responsibility and getting those things done right uh for your team. So you're you stand up And yeah, you screw it
2: up and and you learn from it and you you know and that that's the you know that's it, in I was in peacetime, right? So so was it yeah, you know, the stakes weren't quite as high. Uh, uh so you know you, you were able to learn without Killing anyone, but you know, it's yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, I just reflect back on that time, you know, with some anxiety, and some <laughs> and so you know, obviously, you know, I, th- I think the, the, the last it, it was foundational for me as in in the journey I I I I, I happened to take.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Myself as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell us about your company your relationship impact. What, what do you and your team do and what makes your company unique? What, what makes yeah, it so
2: there's two of us is, a, I have a partner, uh, Gil Brady, and, um, we, we met each other at West point when we were 17 and, uh, we've been very close friends and, you know, you know, br- almost brothers for frankly, um, we were both going through big transitions uh, about 14, 15 years ago. And, uh, And we put our heads together and came up with this concept that we thought we had something interesting to say about teams and and team dynamics. And um, so, you know, we took various fits and starts, but what we have settled on is we work with, <clears throat> the executive teams of young growing companies that have established teams, not that they're not doing, you know, they're not still selling and executing and doing, you know, they're they're more established companies, but still young and growing. And we help them um, mostly reflect back and take a step back and look at their teams and say, are we getting, are, are we, are we an accelerator for the organization or are we holding the company back unintentionally Mm. and oftentimes that's the case uh there's there's uh the pace of change the pace of scaling a company as you know is hard uh it put pressure it puts pressure on relational dynamics uh it structure doesn't always keep up with uh scale and uh and that there's that constant uh balance between do we have the right structure in place and have we damaged our relational dynamics? And, and so, and long story short, we work with executive team to help help them build the teams that they, they uh, aspire to be.
0: Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I think you're right. It's a big challenge. You know, it's uh, in the early stages when you have a founder and you have a founder's uh, intent. Uh, everything seems to go in the right direction. But as you grow and the founder can't, you know do everything and or sometimes the founders hold on too tightly and uh and they're not able to pass it off to the various you know teams as they grow and they scale uh yeah it can be and then you might have family members that are on that leadership team or you might have depending that's a
2: nightmare usually yeah yeah so (laughs) you,
0: you have all sorts of interesting dynamics of where did this team come from right yep it, it was the team you needed to get to where you're at where you're at, but exactly. It's not necessarily the team you need to go to the next level.
2: Exactly and it doesn't mean you have to get rid of anyone necessarily. Maybe that's right. the case sometimes but you do you do need to step back and say you no know, how, how are we helping the organization get to where it needs to go yeah. um, And oftentimes we rec- you know we help teams recognize that maybe they are getting in the way of that uh, <laughs> development. And oftentimes, it's a CEO, you know, like, uh, bailing people out, having too much control or whatever, you know, there's a whole bunch of, you know, dynamics that, that, you know, get in the way, for sure. I think what we're unique at, um, you asked that question, we are, we are uh, far from theoretical, you know, Gil has a PhD in leadership. So he's, he's got some theoretical foundation. So the work that the, the, uh, the tools and the, the techniques that we use definitely have some theoretical foundation to them. But I think our our clients would say that we're very pragmatic, very, very practical, and we're able to um, shift and and recognize that. Their team and their environment is a little bit different than the teams that we've worked in in the past. We never look at one team the same as some other team because they're just the environments are just totally different.
0: That makes sense.
2: So, um, so I think I think pragmatic is is the word I would use.
0: Excellent, excellent.
2: Not shy either. We're not. Good. We're definitely not <laughs> shy of, of. You know, we're also not afraid to admit we're wrong. But we're 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 not shy about giving our two cents.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you sometimes you're right. I think sometimes when you have a for me at least, you know, being CEO of my own business, I do appreciate outside counsel, right? So because you see the world like just in the lens that you have like like you this is your baby. You started yeah. from nothing, right? Yeah. yeah. So you see all the history of it. And so sometimes you need someone to uh to be um just really radically honest with you and and give you, give you the full, like, here's, you've got an issue here and and you need to solve it. And I think that advice is really critical for, for founders, for CEOs, for, you know, in in companies, they need to hear that outside advice. Sometimes we get kind of stuck in, in breathing our own fumes. So I think that's really important. And you guys sound like you, you offer that candid, uh, you know
2: advice. We we do we do and we, you know we, and and we're also not afraid to say hey look we may have gotten that one wrong too mm-hmm. you know so Yeah
0: yeah interesting. So let's talk about you've got uh, a new book out called Building Great Leadership Teams. Tell us about the origin of the book. Why did you write this one?
2: Yeah, so um I, I you know we, we 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 I started writing about 7 years ago for Chief Executive Magazine. I you know I write every you know, sometimes every month, sometimes every quarter, it goes up and down. But, but uh, I wrote, started writing regularly. And about five years ago, I was like, you know, I probably, there's probably something here. And uh, Gil encouraged me to put it down in, 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 uh, in words. And and I had a, a former client that said, you know, you probably, you probably should put this in a, in codify it a little bit and um and so that's what that's really what it is that's that's kind of the genesis and then as you know having written a bunch of books like and then i was like okay well i'm gonna write a book and then it took me three years to even think (laughs) about actually getting a publisher and going through the process but uh yeah yeah, i finally did it
0: yeah that's fantastic and and i and, and and so i'm imagining that some of the some of the uh Reasons for for wanting to put this down into a book is that is is based on some of the struggles you saw, yeah, with, with the organizations that you were around, either that you were part of or that you that you counseled. Um, what were some you know uh, What were some of those unnecessary struggles you saw that you wanted to make sure that you pointed out in the book?
2: Yeah, so so uh, they range from everything from um, you know uh, CEOs putting a team together. And it's really a team in name only. It's a bunch of direct reports that are reporting back to the CEO, and there's really no team to it. It's the CEO and each direct report, and sometimes they work together when they have to, and sometimes they don't. And and <laughs> yeah. uh, and the CEO winds up doing a lot of the heavy lifting, you know, of integration, right? And um, so that's a that's a, you know, I call that the uh, you know what we say is like it's really important to move from. St- from a staff uh, kind of construct to a team construct. Mm. So a lot of the work we do is often like, okay, you're a team, you call yourselves a team, but you don't have the the real uh, elements of what a team does. Right. And so, and so we help. And so there's that. And then there's, there's a lot of stuff like uh, a CEO um, being like Charles Atlas and holding up you know the company and they have you have team you have team discussions, but those discussions don't really result in much. There might be a decision made that the CEO finally says, but yeah let's go let's go that way. And then there's a lot of lobbying of the CEO after the meeting and the CEO engages in the lobbying rather than says, hey wait, we made a decision here raise your voice in the discussion and talk to your colleagues about what's what your objections are rather than having to rely on me um the the, and then there's like you know there's this uh, it's an overused buzzword but the silos that and uh, that are evolve over time because leaders have different mindsets of operating yeah and those mindsets of operating bleed down into the rest of the organization so you know you got sales and delivery are not not on the not same aligned. page yeah. right and and so it's fine not to be on the same page but when it becomes like this we can't yeah. unstick it then it becomes a problem and it inevitably when you look back up the two leaders are just not in sync, right? And so, and so those are just some of the dynamics that that, that happen. I'd say, like everyone asks me all the time, like what, what gets in the way of teams being as good as they can be? And I'd say it's it, their their inability to have what we call productive dialogue or 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 have important, tough conversations about the most important stuff they're facing in a way that moves the issues forward rather than sticks them in cement. And, um, and, and that, that we see that all the time, you know, and, and it's, uh, it, it's passive aggressive behavior. It's, you know, <laughs> yes. the elephant in the room we're not talking about. It's uh, the lobbying thing with the CEO. It's, it's a whole, whole people saying, yeah, well, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. And they never do it. You know, a, there's a whole host of stuff that goes on. Yeah. Um, an inability for the team to hold itself accountable without just a CEO. There's, there's, you know, a lot, lots yeah. of stuff.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because I, as you know, we mentioned, I mentioned before we got started that I've, you know, I've run this, is my ninth manufacturing business I've run. And every time I take over a new manufacturing business, there's a staff, there's a leadership team. Yeah. And I come in as the new, you know, VP GM type of thing. And, and, and so every one of those, things you mentioned, I've seen, I've I'm seen sure. in leadership teams, uh, you know, I'm sure. and uh, so, so my question is like, all right, well, how and so this exists and I've seen it. Yeah. So, so you're, you're not, you're not telling me something I don't know. So now, so then the question is, how do you go about fixing it? How do you, how do you go about building, uh, taking this group of people that have a, you know, team and name only and building them and shaping them into an actual leadership team?
2: Uh, there's, there's two things out of the starting gate or three things out of the starting gate. Our sales cycle is pretty long because we, we, uh, don't get engaged until the client's <laughs> comfortable and we're comfortable. It's an right. intimate relationship. Um, the client has to be comfortable yep. uh, and not just the CEO, but you know, most of the direct reports have to be comfortable that we're not working on behalf of just the CEO. We, we contract with the team not just the CEO I like that. and that is a different dynamic. It definitely is. Um, so we spend a lot of time upfront creating, and we're pretty good. Th- this is something we're pretty good at. We, we, we get people feeling pretty comfortable that we're not, we're not out to do anything other than help the team, not any one individual, the team. Um, that's number one. The second thing is we, we spend then when we do get engaged, spend a lot of time with the CEO upfront, front to help them think through what things they need to do differently than they've been doing mm. to build the dynamics. Right. And so that could be anything from, and so what that is, is like you got to start modeling different behaviors. So the number one thing that gets in the way of a CEO starting an initiative like this is listening. Right. If they get in, in, in a discussion about, I open up the floor and say, you know, what's going on with the team? We do a diagnostic and people, people look and say, you know, well, you know, people don't feel like they, their voices are heard or whatever. And, and the first reaction out of the CEO is what do you mean? People don't get a, you know, then the dialogue gets shut down. So, so uh, because that's power, right. And power, power means something. And, 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 and so modeling is huge, right? And that could be the other end of the spectrum too. Maybe they're not, uh, maybe they're enabling some stuff to happen that they need to stop enabling, like the lobbying thing. So, they, some people come to lobby their office, they put their hand up and say, hey, look, have you talked to Bob? Before you come in the office, talk to Bob. and If you can't resolve the problem, I'll help you deal with it. Those, Those kind of things. But they have to start modeling something different so their team says, okay, this is real. This is not just another flavor of the month kind of crap.
1: We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Now, don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to help take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. Now, I've worked with Jeremy for the past year, and I'm in the best shape of my life. So if you want to step up your game... Reach out to Jeremy at jeremyclevengerfitness.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. This episode is brought to you by the Fraternity of Excellence. The Fraternity of Excellence is an online and real-world community for men who are looking to improve in all areas of their lives. The men of FOE are working together to become better husbands, fathers and leaders at work and in their communities.
1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. You,
0: you touched on something and, and I really, and I saw it too throughout my career is that our presence as leaders changes dynamics.
1: Yes, it A does. A lot of times yes. just
0: being in the room will affect things differently. And we've got to be careful of how we, uh, like you said, we we can sometimes dominate conversations just by saying, well, I think, you know, and then it's like, oh, okay, well, Rennie thinks this, so we're all exactly. move direction. So it's really hard because oftentimes too, we actually know the answer. Yeah, out, but we really want the team to work it out, you know, or to see where they come up come come up with because it might actually be better than your your own personal answer. So yeah, and that, you have to hold your tongue as a leader as a CEO. Well,
2: and sometimes you know you if you're trying to create a scenario where people actually feel like they can say hey look we screw this up or we're not looking at this the right way and do that authentically if the ceo isn't open to that 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 kind of dynamic will never happen and we see it all the time I mean, you see it all all the time yeah. um they yeah. ina- and then there's on the other end of the spectrum again enabling passive aggressive behavior yeah. you just can't you, you know your presence is important but you have to you know, it's it's self awareness is what it's what it is. It's right. it's helping CEOs become more self aware of how they're impacting the team dynamics positively and potentially negatively. And uh, without doing that in the in the beginning, yeah, you know, we, look, we've learned from mistakes, right? When we first started doing this, we didn't do enough of that, and we're like in our you know first couple of in, in meetings, and the CEO has totally set us back you know, yeah. three months because, yeah. you know, and because people look, see, I told you that he wasn't going to listen to us, you know, yeah. and and yeah. that's really not his intention. Um, But he hasn't checked himself yet. So it's, so those, I'd say those are the two things like getting the team to be comfortable that we're out for the team, uh, getting the CEO to model. And then the third thing we do right out of the starting gate is we have a, a third party instrument used to do a diagnostic of, you know, Seven structural characteristics of a team of a great team, seven relational characteristics of a great team and the integration of those things. And, and we have the team take it. We have their direct reports take it. And if there is a board, we have, you know at least some members of the board take it as well. So there there's a you know sort of a 360 view on how the team is viewed. and, uh, and we use that as a discussion starter for, look, this is what you guys are saying and your folks are saying, is getting in the way potentially. What you know, what do you think? What where should we start? All right. And so, uh, and that, you know, we use that discussion is just so invaluable because you see the dynamics at play, even in that discussion. Mm. People not, people not saying anything, people, you know, being really aggressive on one point, you know, like just there's a whole a lot of this is relational dynamics there's no yeah. no question yeah. that have been burned over time
0: yeah yeah, absolutely uh, so what does it look like when you've got a a a great leadership team and it's running well what what are what does it look like what are some of the characteristics of it?
2: yeah, I'd say there's a few there's a few i'll just give you a few things right out of this uh, starting gate number one it's it's uh that, the members of the team recognize that the team and the organization is most important not their functional responsibilities only. Obviously those that's, that's a tough dynamic. You know, I run sales, I get paid for sales, I get whatever. Right. And now you're telling me I got to look out for the best interests of the team. Like I, I, I get that. You know, but let's change the incentives then. Like, I mean, because if you're really going to have a team like and sales is going to support, you know, that you know the drill. So it's it's getting people to have a greater good sense of why we're in this, because being a leadership team member is different than being a functional leader. And so I I that's easy to say that's very hard to move to. Um, I see it every day. Um, uh, I'd say the second thing is that, um, what is, w- what does it look like is that the team is laser focused on what's most important they're laser focused on results and what's most important and most important priorities. They don't get bogged down in trivial bull. And It's amazing to me when I see, and, and look, I look back at myself and when I was a CEO of that consulting firm, I was telling you about earlier, I did sophomore trivial stuff too, like, uh, because I felt slated or whatever, you know, and, and, but that stuff, if we spent time on why did she do that to my group or why did he do this? Like, uh, we, we, we are being, decelerating function for the organization. And so, um, you know, being laser focused means setting aside some stuff that may bug the hell out of us sometimes, but we, you know, we have to look for the, you know, again, up up to the greater good, I think. And related to that, the third thing is that, um, great teams are able to, um, Confront each other well,
0: yes.
2: disagree well, without just having the CEO resolve the challenges for them. Um, so, di- being able, having adults being able to disagree with each other is uh, again. So, all three of those things I just mentioned are easy to say, but they are they and they are the essence of what makes a great leadership team from our perspective. Um. But they're really hard. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. really hard, and and um, so
0: and it's you, you got to be intentional that, about them. That's one of the things I mentioned in my in my second book, all in the same boat. This idea that the enemy is outside the hull. You know, yeah. trying to get people to recognize that the enemy is not. You know, it's not the it's not the engineer. You know, it's not the navigator. It's not. You know, we're in it together. We have a common mission, like you said, common greater good we have a, we have a, we have a mission and we're not going to achieve that mission if we're fighting inside the hall. Right. right. And right. so, you know, part of is I took on businesses, uh, you know, in, in outside the military was I, the enemies outside the four walls is the expression I would use is that I love inside that. the four walls.
2: I got to read that book. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Cause that's, I, I never thought about it like that, but that, yeah. that's it right there. Yeah. yeah, let's not let's not shoot ourselves. Like, yeah.
0: Right. We're we're, you know, and uh but one thing you said that's really interesting, and I've never heard it put this way is you said being an effective leadership team member is different than being a functional head. Oh god, yeah. I've never heard that put yeah. that way. And that is something that is is has got me thinking because you're right if you want to be part of an effective leadership team you're in it for the greater good you're in it for the common mission you're not just in it to protect your people or your slice of your function whether it's sales and marketing or or production or quality you're in it for the big picture you know yeah. uh, is is what are we trying to do as a company in the world right and and when you're focused on that greater good you you think differently about your role as sales the head of sales when you're you, thinking
2: about you, the re, you really do, and you take a long term view. Look, I know all of the. I'm sure people are listening. to This, like, yeah, right, sure, <laughs> but but I, I'm it, 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 so the dynamics on any team, the things things the CEO has to balance all the time, and I would argue that the team ultimately has to balance all the time is. Do we have the right structure in place and the right relational dynamics in place to have a really cohesive team that's able to do those three things that I just talked about? So structure in this case, as we're talking about the sales, you know, VP example, right? Like, so maybe, maybe the, maybe the, uh, the incentive structures like just warped, right? And, and so can we address that? Right, can we yeah, can yeah. we can we deal with that? and, um, and maybe, because of the structural issues, the VP of sales and the VP of, you know execution are at each other's throats because he's selling stuff that may be beyond the skis of the people that can actually deliver but the delivery people aren't actually contributing to helping with the sales pro- you know like you know the 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 give and take so oh yeah yeah can we get the right you know have we had the right conversations about the structure and the relational dynamics that are getting in the way of us being as good as we can be. And it's that, it's that power balance. It, it, it's, it's, a it's the equivalent of, you know, are we too focused on performance? Are we too focused on culture? Right. Are we too focused on structure? Are we too focused on being nice to each other? You know, it's, it's that constant balance and it's, it's never easy. And the, the, the it's a, it's a changing calculus because environments change, New people get added to a team. We grow and like it's just it's never static. Yeah, right. And yeah. so it's hard. It's it's hard. It's hard to have a good team all the time. And there is never a great team all the time. Yeah. But yeah. those that aspire to be great uh have a much more likelihood of getting there.
0: Yeah, that's so that's exactly right. If you don't set your focus to get there, you're never gonna get better, right? Right. Just you know, st- stay like you said, uh, ordinary and, con- and and conflicted and and dysfunctional. If you don't say we want to get better, and here's how, here's how, here's a direction we're going. Maybe you're not perfect all the time, but you're heading directionally.
2: Yeah, going. you know, no one's perfect all the time. People get mad. and Structure, you outgrow the structure. But you know, I I will, I will say that the one thing you you just mentioned triggers something for me is like S- CEOs particularly address team dysfunction with structural issues because they're the easiest thing that come to mind. it's what we learned in business school. Right. Right. And so uh, we'll fire that person because they're, or we'll move them out or we'll, you know, put a plan together or we'll change our meeting rhythm or we'll put new metrics in place. And, and those things by themselves are not bad, but if you have fractured relational dynamics, those things have very, Minimal impact yeah. can usually have very minimal impact.
0: Yeah, and, and and what you really need to get to is, like you said, is being becoming a team together. You know, yeah and that that's what that's what's going to make it building trust amongst the team. Oh my god, really. yeah. Building relations, a common view of the organization and the goals. Yeah, that's the hard things. Those are hard things to do. The easy thing is to fire somebody or move. It, it
2: is. It is. It's hard to rebuild trust, right? Among two 50 year old adults, right? It, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard, but it can be done. And often trust breaks because trust is, you know, do we trust? that people are have good character and do we trust that they're competent at what they're supposed to be doing and and so oftentimes what happens when things break down is we make assumptions about people's competence oh yeah yeah and that's yeah sometimes we're right but most time we're wrong right and the assumptions come from They do it differently than I would do it or I don't like the way they did it or I don't like the way they talk to me or what, you know, and it builds up and it becomes like, you know, cement that you're getting your feet in. Assumptions are dangerous as hell and they and they really do get in the way. Oh, yeah. (laughs) because people are, people are nuts, right? I mean, I wouldn't have a job if that wasn't the case. I I am too. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) I say that in my books, I said, people are messy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah.
0: So, um, you know, what other, um, what other insights can, can leaders and readers hope to get a away from this new book, uh, as they go through it?
2: Yeah. So, um, I, I'd say there's, there's three key takeaways. Make sure you don't just assume that you're, you got a team. Often, you know, move from staff. Think about this whole moving from staff to a real team. Uh, Secondly, uh, there's two sides of a great leadership team. There's structural stuff and relational dynamics, and they evolve over time. And uh, and they are inextricably linked with each other. You can't. If you think about changing structure, you must. Think about what the dynamic, what that impact and the dyna- dynamics are. If you think about adding a new team member or promoting a team member, yep. you must think about how that impacts structure. Like so that there's there's a, those those relationships are crazy. Um, and then I think the last thing is and Gil and I, when we first started doing this stuff, we're like. Yeah, I don't really think you know that the the CEO like the CEO shouldn't have to be that important to the team or the president or the formal leader shouldn't have to be that important to the team. Um teams should function as teams, right? But in a leadership team construct the formal leader is is absolutely crucial to how they enable the environment to happen. Yep. And so um I'd say those three things are the are the are the three things that we we hope people take away and, and look, there's a path to getting to, uh, less dysfunction. There, there definitely is. And, and, uh, and, but it's not easy. It, it It's just not easy. <laughs> it, it, you know. Well, I'm
0: nodding my head because, uh, I've been through it many times. I'm sure I have, I have success stories and I have failure stories. I need I have battle scars. Uh, uh, but it is, it is, like you said, the, the, uh, you know people are messy there you know you're you've got these relationships you have conflicting sometimes goals uh you have functional heads so there's a lot of challenges but when you do build a team and you are focused and you are unified towards a goal you can do some amazing things you, so, you can yeah and i think that's even if it's if it's if it seems like it's something that's hard to reach and difficult i would say it's worth it when you when you get there and i've had i've had those moments where I've had a leadership team that was just firing all cylinders and we, yeah, it, it seemed like we could do no wrong.
2: And yeah, yeah, so, I'm sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's, so when you get there, it's worth it, but it is not
2: easy. It's it's hard and you have to nurture it and you have to recognize as it changes every few months almost.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> that's, that's why we get paid the big dollar. That's right.
2: <laughs> that, that is right. Yeah.
0: Well that's very good. So how can our listeners find out more about you, your company and this new book?
2: Yeah, so our, our you know our our uh, website's pretty easy. It's relationship-impact.com mm-hmm. and our um our book website, it's an it's it's on Amazon. It's called Building Great Leadership Teams. You search Amazon, but um the there's a website for the book as well. It's called um uh, building great leadership teams. (laughs) So it's, uh, it's pretty simple stuff. Uh, Good deal. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll put the, uh, we'll put links in the show notes uh, for those resources. And, and again, uh, you know, uh, listeners, I would say this is a big challenge when you're trying to build a leadership team. Don't just assume that, uh, just because you have a group of people that are your leadership team, that they're actually a team. So, um, you know, Jack has brought up some really important issues that we've got to think about as we build these teams, if we want them to be effective and not dysfunctional, uh, Jack, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing this uh, all this information because I think it's something we haven't really talked about much, but it's really important. These dynamics are really important if we want to take our companies to the next level. So I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all this insight.
2: Yeah, it's my pleasure, John. I really appreciate uh, you having me. This was it was, a, it was you, you're good at this. It was an easy conversation.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, well, thanks for coming on the show. I really I really, I appreciate the work that you're doing. This is very important.
2: Thank, thanks, John. Appreciate it.
0: Well, thanks again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well.